Good evening. Welcome to church on a Wednesday evening. Can everyone hear me okay? I'm Brother Don Cullen. I'll be sharing the, the word with you tonight, the message from the Word of God. Um, welcome if you haven't been here before or if you're visiting after some time. We're happy to see you and to serve you in the Lord tonight. Uh, I'll say a word of prayer and then uh, I'll get started with the message. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here, gathered together with your people. I pray that this word would be encouraging to those here tonight, Lord, and those who are watching in the viewing audience, Father. I pray this word would touch them and encourage them and provoke some, Lord, to do your will. And I pray that we would be edified, Lord, and that you'd give everyone receptive hearts to hear your word tonight. In Jesus' name. All right. If you could turn with me, please, to um, Proverbs eleven twenty-five. I probably have more notes here tonight than I can get through, though I really wasn't planning on sharing more than once on this. But as the Lord directs, got to always seek him. So Proverbs eleven twenty-five. Proverbs 11.25 says, The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. So when I was praying about this week's message, what to preach, I felt the Lord impress on me that it was time to teach about the biblical concept of generosity uh, to God's kingdom in the form of tithes and offerings and also giving directly to those in need. And I hope this is an encouragement to everyone, those who are practicing generosity, those who want to practice generosity more and need a little nudge, and maybe those who are just learning about biblical giving for the first time. So I'm going to cover some scriptures tonight. If you're visiting here tonight, you may have noticed we did not take a collection. Not only do we not take a collection... At Living Word Church, we haven't in almost 50 years. But additionally, I cannot really recall the last time anyone shared a complete message about giving or tithing. So tonight will be a rare event that you're catching, that we talk about giving. And let me say that this is a vast topic in the Word of God. So I'm not going to be able to cover that many scriptures really. But if after this message that I share, if you have personal questions about uh, tithing or struggles or anything like that, don't, don't be afraid to come talk to me, and I will try to share whatever knowledge I have beyond this message with you. So don't be intimidated. You know, it's, it's probably safe to say that at Living Word Church, we talk about giving, tithing, offering, uh, contributing to the church, or taking an offering probably less than any other church that I've ever heard of. Probably less than any other church that I've ever heard of. If you know of a church that talks less about this subject, I would be curious to hear. One may not exist on planet Earth. It's possible. But regardless of that, look at how God has provided for us in the physical realm because God's people have not neglected his house and his work. You know, despite rarely rarely talking about giving and never taking a collection, God has provided an amazing way through through the faithfulness of his people over the years. 
And I will say, you know, in commemoration of, of Brother Bob's one-year anniversary of passing, Brother Bob's obedience and faith in this area where God told him never to take a collection was remarkable. And in my opinion, puts him in the hall of faith alone just for the bravery and the courage to obey God when he's starting out a church and to say, never take a collection. And he heeded that all these years. That's amazing. Praise God. That is absolutely amazing. And so he ha- he, I've always been so impressed with that stand that he took in obedience to the Lord. So praise God. I'm sure that's part of his reward in heaven. You know, when we give to God financially, the Bible teaches that we are doing something very powerful spiritually that brings God's involvement directly into our lives. When we obey God with our finances, the Bible says that he will respond And this is a powerful principle from God's Word that is foundational to a life of faith. And I want to encourage everyone in this area, without apologies, for the Bible teaches this very clearly. The Word of God is true, and it deserves our attention. You know, brothers and sisters, in the coming times, the times that are coming upon the earth, I don't know the date of when the Lord will return for His people, but in those times leading up to when He returns... We will need the blessing of God in our lives in a powerful way. The safest place to be in times of trouble, the times that we're entering into, is living in the obedience, in obedience to the Lord and right in the center of His will. So I want to encourage obedience to God's Word tonight. Now, let's go to the other side. Now, why do some other churches talk so much about money and preach what is called the prosperity gospel? Frankly, They do it because it has a broad appeal with the American audience. So so when they emphasize this kind of a message, they end up filling the pews and having many disciples. It's a ticket to success for many churches. But to me, it it smacks too much of scratching, itching ears, which the Bible warns against. You know, Americans, especially in the last days, we are a people that are very conscious and desirous of money and wealth. It's another idol of our land. It's an idol that has replaced God. It's replaced churches. It's replaced Sunday schools. It's replaced the fear of God in our land. Think of how Americans worship celebrities and the rich, and they admire the lifestyles of the rich and famous whether it's a sports figure or it's an entertainer or it's an actor or a singer or a a businessman, those men and women are like gods to many people. And Americans spend more time following those people on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok than they do on their spiritual lives. Don't tell me these people are not like gods to much of the people of America. And what's, what is so often the world's tithe? What is the world's tithe? Well, the world sacrifices their money to things like lotteries and gambling and high-risk adventures in order to place themselves in the same position as the gods that they worship. You know, just a little scratch-off, just a little number, fill in the right numbers, and I can be just like my gods. Don't tell me that's not prevalent in today's society. America has many idols, many false gods. 
And one of the greatest of them in our land is money. The God of mammon. Let's go to 1 Timothy 6.10. I'm going to end up talking about biblical giving, but I want to give you a backdrop to the society we live in. Because I think it's, I think it's relevant. 1 Timothy 6, 6.10. The Bible warns against worshiping and loving money. 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You know, be careful about loving money, the Bible says. It is the root of all kinds of evil. All kinds, all different kinds. You know, greed, it says here, can cause you to stray from the faith. How so? How so? Because the desire for material things and money causes you to put a higher priority on those things than the things of God. God gets bumped down the priority list in the pursuit of money. The hours you choose to work, the things you choose to do, from first to second, from second to third, and so forth down the line. It has cost some men their eternal souls, it says here. It has created for others many sorrows. What does sorrow speak to you of? Sadness, depression, anxieties, mental stress, all due to the almighty buck, or the lack of the almighty buck, or pursuing the almighty buck. Money is the root of all kinds of evil, including mental distress. From losing your soul to having no peace, love of money can cause all of that and more. America has a big problem today, saints. It's rooted in self-worship, as Brother Brian taught on Sunday morning, and love of money, which I will mention tonight. Throughout the West, fascination with money and prosperity is a cancer in the land, and it's a cancer that wants to come into the church. Let's go to 1 Timothy, please, chapter 3, verse 1. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But I know this, Paul writes, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. You know, Brother Brian did a wonderful job on Sunday morning talking about the God of self in our land. And it did not occur to me when I began to study this word that the next thing on the list after the God of self on this list is lovers of money. But the Lord knew. The Lord knew. So the Lord is addressing loving self and loving money. The two biggest false gods in the land of America and in the world today because of America and the West's influence is love of self and love of money. Now, in contrast with the love of money in our culture, let's talk about the contrast. Giving to the Lord's work and to other people in need is actually a strong statement that as Christians, we have the right relationship with money. Giving to God and others is a powerful statement of our priorities, which are kingdom priorities. What we're saying is that we're willing to part with the thing that is most loved in the land 
to help the kingdom of God and to help our brothers and sisters and our neighbors. We sacrifice what the world loves so much. It speaks loud and clear that we do not love money like the world loves money. Instead, we sacrifice that which we also need to him that we love more. Praise God. And in so doing, we show we love the Lord more than this thing, more than money. Love involves sacrifice, brethren, and as Christians, we sacrifice unto him whom we love. You know, so that's, that's the backdrop to it. And it sounds like here we're giving up something to the Lord, but don't worry. God is not ignorant of what we do in these areas. The Bible clearly teaches that he responds to his people's generosity and himself blesses them. In the book of Malachi, which we're going to talk about, it says that when his people do what they're supposed to do financially, he opens up the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing that they will not be able to contain. The Bible says he rebukes the devourer for their sakes, and he makes sure that the land produces for them. Praise God. And his blessing, brethren, is larger, much larger than what we give up to him. Did you hear me tonight? His blessing is much larger than what we sacrifice to him, because he's a good God. Praise the Lord. You know, his blessing, brethren, it's deep, and it's wide, and it's tall. It's actually four-dimensional, because it spans into eternity. What we send to the Lord, we're actually sending ahead into eternity, the Bible says. You know, so many false teachers in this land today, they overemphasize the topic of God and money, like I said, to satisfy the itching ears of the audience. But regardless of that false teaching that is so prevalent in America today, there is still a tremendous blessing of provision in our lives when we follow the principles of God's word in these matters. And there's a tremendous gap in our finances when we do not follow these principles. You know, brethren, there's always a blessing in every area of our life for obedience. Every area of your life. If you obey God and how you handle relationships, there's a blessing of God there. If you obey God and how you operate in the workplace, there's a blessing there. Whatever area of our life that we yield to the Lord in obedience, there's a blessing there. And so, of course, in the area of money, when we obey what God says, there's a blessing there. God, obedience to God's word always creates blessings. Whatever we do in our speech, in our thought life, and in our finances too, praise God. So the first thing we need to do, of course, to start a relationship with God, just to back up here a moment, is you got to believe the gospel in case anyone here tonight has not, does not know Jesus, the very first thing is Jesus came into this world to save sinners. That's what the gospel is all about. And he wants to form a relationship with you. And the way you start that relationship is believing on what Jesus did for you. And once you believe on what Jesus did for you, he's going to get involved in your life once he saves you. He's going to start to work on you and he's going to start to fix all the different areas of your life. That's what he does, right saints? including your relationship with self and your relationship with money. And as you obey God more and more, the Bible says you're going to be blessed more and more in every area of your life. You know, if I knew something that I knew was proven to work, 
It was guaranteed to work over the long term. And I personally experienced that. So this thing, I believe, worked, and it worked for me. And then I not, I not only did it work for me, it worked in the lives of those around me. So it worked for me, then it worked in the lives of those around me. And then others who I observed who weren't doing this thing, it didn't work so well for them because they weren't doing it. Well, if I knew this for a fact, and I didn't share it with people, shame on me. You know, shame on me. And that's the way the gospel is. But that's also the way giving to the Lord is. You know, I've experienced this personally in my life, scores of times. And I've observed in so many of your lives that giving creates blessings in your life. And it works. And I know those who struggle in this area. They, they struggle because they struggle in this area. And so, in the core of my being, personally, I know that this is the truth of God's Word. So I want to encourage everyone here, if you're tithing, you should continue tithing. And I think for most people, you couldn't get a team of wild horses to stop them from tithing. That's what I always say. You couldn't stop me from tithing at gunpoint because I want to honor my Lord and I don't want to break the chain of blessing that he's given to me in my life. But if you're not tithing, I want to encourage you tonight, move towards tithing. Move, move towards giving to the Lord according to what his word teaches, which we're going to cover tonight. I want to encourage you, take steps forward. Hallelujah. Now, why is this important? Let's turn to Matthew 6.31. Let's turn to Matthew 6.31. Jesus said in Matthew 6.31... Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek. I just got done talking about the Gentiles. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. You know, people in this world are seeking money and things, and God knows we need some of those things too. He's not ignorant of our needs. But it says in verse 33, and this is about priorities, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You know, if we prioritize God and his kingdom, those other things will come from him. Having the right priorities sets in motion blessings from God which are added unto us. So it's very important, brethren, for us to put God first in our financial priorities. God always outgives us. You know, he's not a man, the Bible says, that he will lie. He's not a man that will owe us something. He will always outgive us because that's in his good nature. The Bible says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know, I'm testifying tonight of what I have experienced and what I have seen others experience. You know, I say to myself, brethren, whenever I see open blessing in the lives of believers... I always say to myself, and I acknowledge, that the blessing is the result of their generosity. I really believe that. If a blessing comes from God and there's no trouble with it, I know it came from the Lord. And you know how I know it comes from the Lord? You're right here in Matthew. Let's go to Matthew 6, 3. It's a biblical principle. It's a biblical principle. 
Matthew 6, 3. Look what it says here. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will himself reward you openly. See, so that's the basis of what I'm saying here. When I see somebody being openly blessed by the Lord with his provision, I know that behind the scenes there's some obedience in their financial life. That's a blessing. And I love to see others being blessed because they have the right relationship with the Lord. I'm so happy. I'm not jealous of them. I'm always happy for them because I know it comes from the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, as, a tre- as treasurer of the church, which I am at the moment, have been for 24 years, I have a personal responsibility before the Lord as a steward of the finances here to remind you to be generous. You know, there's, there's always new people coming into the church who do not perhaps understand the principles of God's word in this subject. And since we do not take collections, it may not even occur to them what the Bible says about giving to the local church that one attends. Right? We don't, even, we don't take a collection. We don't talk about money. I can see how it would skip right by people's, right by their brains. And there's even a few old-timers who still do not practice this principle faithfully to their own harm. And I'd like to see those brothers and sisters doing better. Because I want to see them be more blessed, quite frankly. Quite frankly. You know, ignorance of the scriptural principles is not bliss, as they say. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance instead results in a short-circuiting of God's hand on our finances. And I don't want to see that, quite frankly. Now let's keep in mind, brethren, this is really what's driving me tonight. You know, one of Satan's areas of expertise is in the area of thievery. Do you realize that? Let's go to John 10.10. Satan is a thief. Satan is a thief. He is the opposite of God. John 10.10. I don't want to, I'm kind of sick of seeing people get robbed of the blessings that God has for them. That's, that's where I'm coming from. Can I be honest with you? That's where I'm coming from. I'm sick of seeing the enemy get into people's lives and, and hurt them because they're not obeying God in this area and then they get discouraged. I'm sick of that. John 10.10. 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. Praise God. Jesus and the thief are working in opposite directions, aren't they? The thief came to rob, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give, and to give more abundantly. There's no doubt from the scriptures that Satan is a thief. And in this scripture, we actually see a progression that begins with thievery. Then it progresses to death, and then it progresses to destruction. You know, Satan wants to get a foothold in believers' lives and then let that discouragement spread in their lives, which leads to separation from God, which is spiritual death. Satan wants God's people to be discouraged. God wants his people to be encouraged. And brethren, I'm telling you, as a firsthand witness, I have seen countless Christians not obey God with their finances, get discouraged, and lose what they have spiritually. I have seen this countless times in my position. Satan wants to take from us. Jesus is yearning to give to us. 
You know, I've been the treasurer of the church for 24 years, as I mentioned. And how many times have I seen this principle uh, uh, acted out? One brother that I'm thinking of. He was a big talker in the Lord. And he was always behind on his tuition. Okay, that can happen to anybody. And he only had one child to pay tuition for. It turns out after he left the church, after many, many years, I said, you know, was that brother a tither? And sister, because I don't get into business who's tithing and not tithing. I keep myself separate from that. I asked Sister Terry, who has to know these things, did this brother ever, did this brother tithe? She goes, oh no, he's never given a penny in 20-something years. And guess where he is today? Discouraged, not serving the Lord from what I can see. He's backslidden. Satan got in there. I don't want to see that happen in the future. My witness is true of this, brethren. People not giving may have every excuse in the book, but until they start honoring the Lord with the first fruit of their substance, they are, in fact, stuck in the mud and spinning their wheels. You know, the other day, sometimes the Lord lets things happen in my life, so I have examples to share with you. And I, and I don't even, a lot of times I don't even question anymore why something bad is happening, because I know it's going to work into a coming sermon. That's kind of a neat perspective. So I'm up, at, I'm up at my property, and I have a tractor, and I went to the, a part of the property that I'd never been before. And it was very, I didn't know this, but it was very muddy. So as I went in with my little tractor, four-wheel drive tractor, I got stuck. And I started spinning my big wheels, and I sunk right in up to the belly of the tractor. Oh, boy. So fortunately, I got a big pickup truck and a long tow strap. So I went up, and I towed up the, the, the tractor, and I put it in neutral, Took me a few tries, but I got it out of the ground. I was spinning my wheels. I was going nowhere fast. And that's the way we can be in the kingdom if we're not properly handling our finances in the Lord. And we need a toe strap from Jesus. We need his word to lift us out of the mud and the mire. Let's go to Haggai to see the same principle. Haggai, towards the back of the Old Testament, chapter 1. This is exactly a tractor story right here coming up. Haggai chapter 1, verse 3. Excuse me. Haggai 1, 3. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much. And bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns earns wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. 
You know, this passage is all about our priorities. People were not personally supporting God's house. God's house was neglected. Now, we haven't neglected the house of the Lord here, but the scripture still applies to us as individuals. These people's houses were not neglected, but the house of the Lord was neglected. I remember when I was a new insurance agent many years ago, my boss challenged me on my tithe. I had to give him a budget. And he said, what's this thing here? And I said, well, that's my tithe to my church. And I I hadn't been a tither my whole life because I didn't even know about tithing until I met my lovely wife. And she was a tither and she said, you're supposed to tithe to the Lord. And I said, oh, I didn't even know that. So we began to do it together. Anyway, on my budget, there was my tithe. And he said, what's that thing? And I said, that's my tithe. And he said, well, why are you doing that for? You're just a young guy. And I said, because that's what the Bible says to do. And then he said, well, don't worry about it. Someday you can be a wealthy guy and then you can tithe then. And I said, that's not how it works, sir. That's not how it works. I'm going to tithe now when I have little. Praise God. And then he stopped arguing with me about it. I said to him before that, I said, you know, I have two cars right now. I'd rather sell my car and get rid of my payment and my wife can drive me to my appointments. He goes, well, that would be, you don't want to do that. I said, well, then let's do this then. Let's just pay a tithe. And then he said to my, my sales manager at the time, who was a Christian, he said, Jim, you don't tithe, do you? And my, he turned beet red, of course, and whatever. That's his problem. Uh, anyway, if you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. Praise God. God says, consider your ways, which means to think carefully about what you're doing. Brothers and sisters, let me repeat that. Think carefully about what you're doing. You have planted much, but have harvested little. Hmm. You eat, but are never filled. Hmm. You drink, but are still thirsty. Hmm. What's going on? What's going on? What's missing in the equation? That's what the Lord's saying. He's saying our priorities. Seek first his kingdom, and all these other things will be added unto us. Young person. You're just earning money for the first time. You know, get off on the right foot. You earned $50 babysitting. $5 of that is the Lord's. Put that in the tithe box. It counts. Now you, the Lord blesses you. you got two babysitting jobs. Now you've got $100. Put $10 in the tithe box. That's the Lord's. God blesses you. Now you've got a part-time job. You're making 300 bucks a week, working 20 hours a week. Wow, that's great. You're just a kid. $30 of that is the Lord. Lords, if you can't give a percentage of $100, how will you give 10% if you ever come across $100,000 or a million dollars? You won't do it. You won't do it. You You either will never have it, or if you do, you will not honor him with it. The Bible says if you are faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. I have seen people that were not faithful in little. And then they end up getting, let's call it through time and chance, you know, time and chance. Their grandmother dies and leaves them some money. So they weren't faithful in little, and now they got a big chunk of dough. Guess what happens with the big chunk of dough? Thank you. They're not faithful with the big chunk of dough because they weren't faithful with the little chunk of dough. It goes away. I've seen personal stories where the money evaporates. They had this big, 18 months later, where's, I I, I spent it all. It's all gone. And I have debts too. What? Some people might say, I can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to tithe. 
<laughs> you can't afford to not to tithe. You got to have a covenant relationship with Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, one brother told me he had not tithed for years because he thought he couldn't afford it. Then he started by faith, even though there was nothing left in his budget at the end of the month. I mean, he was running on vapors at the end of the month. And you know, he was in an hourly job. He was in a union job. You know, in union jobs, you don't get promotions. You're just in the union job until you have X, then you get bumped. Da, da. He, had, he had no up, upside. The brother had no upside at all. He started to tithe. He stuck with it. All of a sudden, I think it was maybe two or three months later, uh, excuse me, uh, we're thinking about considering you for a supervisor. Yeah, so God takes him out of this pay grade he was stuck in. He started tithing, and God said, I'm going to reward you, my friend. Boom. Puts him in an entirely different pay grade. Made him a supervisor. Got a big bump. I remember him telling me the story. People tell me the stories because they know I'm the treasurer, right? So they tell me these stories. And I'm always blessed for them when they, when they, uh, when they tell me those stories. Sister Terry can testify that she sees this all the time, too. You know, she and I, we know this principle so well that we're, we've almost become like doctors, like surgeons of finances. You know, if there's a problem, we both know right where to go. It's like, I, I have this symptom. Let me ask you a question. I have this symptom. I can't do this. I have no money. Da, da, da. Are you tithing? Are you giving? Well, no. Okay, thank you. Um, and answer, 90% of the time. Now, 10% of the time, we just all go through trials. We all have trials that we are presented with financially. God knows that. But a high percentage of the time, the root problem is we're not honoring God with our first fruits. But instead of that, what God wants us to be doing is he wants our faith to be growing. Because when we obey him, we start to create a flow of blessings in our life. That's the great part about obeying God with our finances. We see God at work in our finances as he adds the increase. And that builds our faith, brethren. That builds our faith. I do not want to see Satan get a foothold of discouragement in your life. But instead, I want to see your faith grow. My faith personally has grown so much over the years because of financial things that God has done for me and my family. My faith has grown. And you know something about faith, brethren? Faith is precious. Faith is not something that, oh, I have faith in the area of finances, but that faith doesn't work over here in my life. No, it doesn't work that way. Faith is faith. When you begin to believe God can answer your giving to him in a manifest way, that faith works from every angle of your Christian walk. It helps you in your prayer life. It helps you pray for souls. It helps you with spiritual gifts. Faith is faith and it's precious, brethren. And I want to see our faith grow to our obedience to the Lord. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. You know, brethren, from experience in Christ, we recognize, I recognize, that Satan can take advantage of certain situations. And we're not ignorant of his devices. And so a message like this is to forewarn us and to forearm us. Do finances cost people a lot of pain and hardship and worry? Of course they do. Of course they do. Messed up finances is one of the number one reasons for divorce. 
Messed up finances is one of the main contributors to mental stress and depression. Messed up finances is one of the leading causes of suicide in our country. It's led to many sleepless nights, problems of all sorts, mental disorders. Remember, the thief has come to rob, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come to give life and life more abundantly. So we are not ignorant of his devices. We are combating Satan's attack with the shield of faith tonight. And I want your faith to grow and have that and to have more and more of the life of Christ in you. So let's not be ignorant of his devices. And I don't want Satan getting a, a foothold in any brother or sister's life through lack of obedience in the financial life that they have. Let's go to Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I'm almost done here tonight. I'm not going to get through all of this. This is a powerful passage I'm sure you're familiar with. Tremendous promise of blessing here when we obey the Lord in the area of giving. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I love how this starts. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. For I am the Lord. I do not change. Therefore, therefore you are not consumed, <laughs> O sons of Jacob. How is it that some of us are still standing in the Lord after disobeying God so many years with their finances? I'll tell you why. Look at this. For I am the Lord. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. It's his mercy and his grace. I recognize that. He's merciful and gracious with us, brethren. We all have shortcomings. We all have many shortcomings. And God, this word is for everyone. It's his mercy that we are not consumed. Praise God. Verse 7. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Wow, what a nice promise. But you said, in what way shall we return? Then the Lord says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Yet you say, yet you say, in what way have we robbed you? They asked this of God. In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour, for you, pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the fields, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you, call, call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Notice here how the people are arguing with God. In what way shall we return? In what way have we robbed you? So, brethren, let's stop arguing with God and obey him. You know, this is an amazing portion of Scripture. In it are contained many lessons for the believers in Christ for our finances. Now, first of all, do not feel bad if you are new and you do not understand the principles of tithing and offering. Like I said earlier, when I was a young believer, I had never even heard of this. 
But when I got married, my wife explained to me. And so we've been practicing this our whole married life, which is almost 39 years now. And you know, I almost immediately saw God at work with my finances, right from the get-go. What a privilege to give to Jesus. Hallelujah. Do you realize that when it comes to tithing, to my understanding, it's the only place in Scripture that God actually says, go ahead and test me. Which means to try or prove, to examine and test God. Now normally we're taught in the Scriptures we're not supposed to tempt God. Right? That's one of the commandments. Don't tempt the Lord our God. But here, in the area of tithing, God invites you to test him. God knows how important money is to people and how important things are to people. He knows how dear and precious this is where we live. The clothing on our backs, the food in our bellies, the water that goes down into our gullet. He knows how dear it is to us. He says here, go ahead and test me. You bring those tithes and offerings into my house and you see if I will not pour out a blessing on you. He invites us to test him here. Not only will he provide for us, he says he will open up the windows of heaven, praise God, and pour out a blessing. God says to do it. So let's do it. God says if we give the tithe, which is an offering to his work of 10% of our income, or whatever the land produces for us, he's going to do two things. First of all, He's going to increase what we have. It says here he's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, which we did not have before. He's going to give us something we did not have before. Go ahead and test me in this. I remember one situation with a brother years ago. I taught on this message maybe 20 years ago. And he came to me and he said, Brother Don, I I never tithe. I tithe on my income, but I never tithe off my rental income. So... After you preached that word, I started tithing off my rental income. And he said to me, you know, my mom, she's never given me more than $50 in my whole life. She's got a lot of money, but she's never given me $50 in my whole life. And you know, last month, I said, I'm going to start tithing on my rental income. And my mom came up to me. She knew nothing about this. She's not even a saved woman. She came up to me, and she gave me an envelope. And I said, what's this, mom? She goes, I have have something for you. And he said, what is it? He says, it's a check. So he opens it up, and it's a check for $5,000. True story. I wish he was here today, but he's gone home to be with the Lord. So that's what I'm talking about. Out of, God will open up the, some, in some way he's going to meet your needs. In some way he's going to provide. It will vary from person to person. Every situation is different, but the blessing is real. The blessing is real. And that's what happens when we start obeying God in that area. Now, the second thing that happens here. You'll notice it says, he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. You know, the rebuking the devourer, that's, that's a huge blessing. You know, we're living in a world where everything is falling apart all the time, right? All of our stuff is made in China, unfortunately. And it doesn't have a long shelf life, you know? Refrigerators used to last 25 years. Now they last like 25 months. One month past the warranty. That's the way it is today. And I'm not saying everything's going to always work, be perfect if you're a tither. But I'll tell you this, I personally have experienced where God has kept things going for me. He has rebuked the devourer for me. And I have won more than I lost. 
That's what God does. He rebukes the devourer so that you will win more than you lose. And he will make sure that the land is always providing for you. So that's why I believe in tithing. You know, I'm not against 401ks or saving. But if it came down to it, brethren, and I had to choose between paying my tithe or putting 10% into my 401k, I would pay my tithe. You know why? The stock market is shifting sands. Do you know in the Great Depression of 1929, the stock market went down by 89%. Do you know when the stock market recovered from the Great Depression? 25 years. It took 25 years for the stock market to get back to where it was in 1929. So let's say someone had $10,000 in the stock market in 1929. It would have went down to $1,100. It would not have come back up to $10,000 for 25 years. So what's a better investment? The kingdom of God in heaven? The kingdom of God in heaven? Or stocks and bonds? In a fragile economy like we're in right now. I will trust to put my money in the kingdom of heaven. The best investment in the modern world is the kingdom of heaven. And the second best investment is dirt and seeds. Praise God, as I've said before. So God wants to rebuke the devourer for our sake. He wants to open up the windows of heaven. And I can say everybody here who's a tither has had experiences like that. And I praise God for every one of those experiences. So that's my word. Again, it's a word of encouragement. I'm not here to condemn anybody who's not tithing. I want to encourage you. You know, if you're not tithing, start to move in that direction. If you don't have the faith to step out and start doing it, which I encourage you to do, you know, if you're at zero, go to 2%. If you're at 2%, go to 4%. Or jump right to 10% and see the blessing of God in your life. I could talk for hours about this, but I'm going to end it right there because I don't think you have the capacity to listen to me talk anymore. So praise the Lord. So let's pray and close. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. What a wonderful God we serve. Oh, Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, Lord. Lord, you take what we give you, Lord. You more than replace it back to us, Father. You're so gracious, Lord. If all we had was the 90% and we had you, it would be, it would be enough, Lord. But you, you're so good to us, oh God. You replace it. You bless us. You add the increase, Lord. You build our faith, oh Lord, through our finances. I'm so thankful for that, Father. And faith is faith, oh God. And I know you want us to stand strong in you and have a shield of faith and not give the enemy any occasion in our lives, Father. So please help us, Lord. Help all of us, Father. To obey you, Lord, and I want to obey you more, Father. I want to be more generous in you, Lord God. I don't want to be less generous. I want to be more generous, Lord. Please help me to be more generous in you, Father. And pour out your blessing on your people as they respond to your word. In Jesus' name, God bless you all. Thank you for your attention tonight. Amen. God bless.